Welcome to this episode of the National Police Association podcast, Then Blue Line, Blue Lives Matter and Bail Reform Causing Crime. From Rara, Colorado, the Sentinel reports the latest squabble between two factions of Aurora City Council members comes over t-shirts embellished with a thin blue line flag meant to support law enforcement. Six members, Charlie Richardson, Dave Gruber, Johnny Watson, Francois Bergen, Marsha Bersons and Bob Roth, sported the t-shirts under suit jackets and blazers at Monday's City Council meeting. After the meeting, Gruber and Watson said the shirts were worn simply to support the city's police officers, not because of any measure that was on the agenda or in light of recent events that have landed protesters in the chamber asking for more police accountability. There's a morale problem, Watson said of the shirts. But others saw the shirts as a symbol of division. Arapahoe County Democratic Chairwoman Kristen Mallory said during public comment the shirts were shameful and a clear message that those council members don't support the Black Lives Matter movement. Thin blue line symbolism, which is defined by Oxford Dictionaries as being a reference to police, in the context of maintaining order during unrest, is also sometimes associated with a Blue Lives Matter movement, Mallory said the shirts equate a career choice to race and the consequences that follow. Earlier this month, and Aurora City Council was temporarily shut down by protesters who demanded justice for Elijah McLean, who died after an interaction with police this summer, a coroner's report deemed McLean's cause of death inconclusive. Many expected similar protests this week, which never materialized. Richardson replied to Mallory's public comment that Aurora would have the most anti-police city council when new members are sworn in next month. Richardson lost a bid for re-election to Juan Marcano in Ward 4. Councilwoman Allison Hiltz said not all council members were invited to wear the shirts, she called the shirts the use of rhetoric that left-leaning members of the council are anti-police. I don't have on a t-shirt, but I think it's important that when we're talking about support for people in this city we do it through policy, and I don't believe that the insinuation of us on the left are moving further left is indicative of being anti-police. She said at the end of the meeting, I don't think wanting to engage the community and having additional conversations about how we can do better is being anti-police, so I just want to make it very clear that I think for all of us that weren't offered a t-shirt or told about a t-shirt or provided a t-shirt that does not mean we don't support our police department, but we have some serious issues that we need to address. During the meeting, council members unanimously agreed to a one-time contribution increase to police pensions. Pay and benefits have been at the center of conversations of why police officers and firefighters are increasingly leaving Aurora for neighboring Denver. City staff said five police officers have left Aurora this year. Richardson attempted to permanently increase the contributions. City council only agreed to a one-time bump from 10.5% to 12%. Many who voted against Richardson's proposed amendment cited budgetary concerns. Each year the city budget must be balanced, but projections so far don't show a balanced budget beyond 2020, according to city staff. From San Francisco, the Chronicle reports a group of Richmond District residents filed a petition with the Department of Elections Tuesday to initiate a recall of Supervisor Sandra Lee Fewer, weeks after she led a controversial chant against the Police Officers Association at an election night party. The group of 31 residents signed the petition after Fewer grabbed the microphone at an election night party for Chase Bodine, the progressive district attorney, 
and began a chant against the city's nearly 2,000 member police union. She has insulted the hardworking men and women of San Francisco's police force, who do their best to protect our community, according to the letter, obtained by the Chronicle, she has embarrassed our city before the rest of the country. The notice of intention is the first step to initiating a recall petition, the District 1 supervisor, who represents the Richmond District, has seven days to respond, the petition must gather signatures from 20% of the 42,713 registered voters in the district, then, if the department certifies the signatures, it will call for a recall election, where voters must pass a simple majority to unseat the official, the mayor will then appoint a replacement. The supervisor's election night chant roiled the Police Officers Association, which sent her a letter demanding an apology, President T. Tony Motanya called her words worrisome and completely unacceptable and unbecoming of someone elected to represent all San Franciscans. The unhinged attack, he wrote, made our officer's job more dangerous. Fewer attempted to clarify her words the next day, she apologized to the officers in the San Francisco Police Department, but stood by her negative feelings toward the union, saying the organization continues to incite fear in our city. Her chant on election night highlighted the tense relationship between the association and progressive politicians in the city. Fewer must run for re-election in November 2020, she previously told the Chronicle that she is 90% going to run for re-election, though she has yet to file any papers for the November 2020 election. Alexandra Jansen, a Richmond District resident who serves on the neighborhood's community police board and is behind the recall effort said she was not happy with fewer before the chant, but her election night words were the final straw. While she said the recall is probably an unrealistic goal, she said the group of residents want to send her a message. We deserve better with our neighborhood, she said, let's show her that we're unhappy. From Brooklyn, New York, the Brooklyner reports that over the weekend, over three dozen residents woke up to their vehicles being vandalized along avenues in the 70s near Shore Road. For some cars, the tires were slashed, for others, they were keyed. Just last month, about 35 cars were also vandalized from 83rd to 93rd streets along Shore Road. There's an uptick in crimes in the neighborhood, many are saying, according to Assemblywoman Nicole Maliotakis, the new bail reform laws and anti-police rhetoric are to blame for the recent uptick. Just in the last couple of months, there have been really disturbing crimes that have been taking place in and around the Bay Ridge and Dyker Heights area, Maliotakis said, multiple criminal incidents including attempted rape, sexual assault, subway groping, burglary, and assault. According to police, compared to 2018, there has been an uptick in some crimes including burglary, patrol, petty larceny, and auto. The vehicle vandalism was the most recent of the incidents. Council member Justin Brennan even offered up $5,000 as a reward for anyone with information about it. We cannot and will not allow vandals to continue to damage our neighborhood with impunity, Brennan said in a statement. Weehaw! They demanded more resources from City Health Police, and have asked for an increase patrolling during the overnight hours in Bay Ridge and Dyker Heights. According to Maliotakis, this is all a continuation of a disturbing trend that she believes is directly associated with the environment that has been created by bad policies and rhetoric that have led the bad guys, the criminals, believe that they can get away with this type of behavior. The New York Times explains it as follows, beginning next year, 
People charged with misdemeanors and nonviolent felonies will in most cases be released without cash bail, pending their trials. In another reform, prosecutors will be required to disclose evidence to the defense within 15 days of an indictment instead of shortly before trial, a practice that prompted many a guilty plea before court proceedings even got underway. Maliotakis believes this puts the rights of criminals ahead of justice for victims. We are already seeing many liberal judges in our city releasing people without bail, even people who have extensive criminal histories, she said, and what's really disturbing about the bail law that will take in effect, is that it doesn't consider someone's criminal history, they could have a dozen, two dozen, three dozen convictions and could still walk out the door and be released without bail. It doesn't consider whether an individual is a threat to public safety and it completely takes away the judge's discretion in the matter, she continued. It all began over Coleef Browder's backpack, Maliatakis explained, Browder was a black man who was arrested for allegedly stealing a backpack, he was unable to make bail and was held at Rikers for nearly three years, he was held in solitary confinement for two years as well, two years after his release, he committed suicide. No one should be in jail for months as they await trial, nobody, that's constitutional protection afforded to us, Maliatakis said, we as New York State need to do a better job in ensuring that individuals get their constitutionally protected rights to a speedy trial, but that does not mean we open up the floodgates and allow repeated criminals, in many cases, out the door to continue to cause havoc and harm to our communities. She said there's no way to ensure that anyone would return back to court, which means putting law enforcement life at risk. We're not talking about a stolen backpack, she said, we're talking about serious crimes, criminally negligent homicide, assault, dealing drugs, stalking, and strangulation. At a press conference, Michael Tanisis, a former prosecutor and the man running to succeed Maliotakis as she runs for Congress, said this was all a very dangerous precedent and needs to be stopped. For the past eight years as a prosecutor, I have seen defendants coming into the criminal justice system every single day, it has become a revolving door, they come in, they go out, they come back, he said, there have been situations where the defendants have come before a judge, the judge does not set bail for one reason or another, and then the defendant has come back again in handcuffs with new victims because he committed a new crime. He said the new bail reforms now take away the power from the judge for setting bail for certain crimes, which means that now they're almost guaranteed to have career criminals coming back with new victims and new charges. Maliotakis noted that these crimes will get worse unless Albany repeals the laws. It's going to get worse and we're going to see NYC really going back to the pre-1990s days, which will be very unfortunate, she said, it's the entire environment that has been created by our mayor by our governor, by liberal politicians where people are feeling they can get away with this type of behavior, it's the whole environment starting with the mayor wanting to decriminalize multiple crimes, it's the rhetoric that we're hearing from him and others that make our police feel they don't have support, it's tying the hands of our law enforcement, not allowing them to do their jobs as they see necessary to keep the community safe, it's reducing the sentencing for misdemeanors to protect individuals, in the short run. District leader Liam McCabe called on more police presence on the streets and subway to address the uptick in these crimes. In a statement, he also criticized the bail reforms.
We are living in dangerous times as the New York State Legislature has recently passed a Pandora's box of legal loopholes that would make any criminal blush, loopholes that even the progressive New York Attorney General has warned will handicap prosecutors across the state, he said, that coupled with Bill de Blasio and the City Council's successful push to close Rikers Island and put thousands of criminals back on the streets is a recipe for disaster. We are calling on the senator to back away from the anti-police rhetoric in the city and commit to securing our community by reinstating common-sense laws that protect law-abiding citizens and push to increase police presence in NYC. Malia Takis agrees, in fact, she had called for more police presence in the subway system back in April, I think that we do need to have more police presence in our subway system, particularly at night where many people believe the subways may be desolate in some areas. Maliatakis said, they feel concerned for their safety, I think that's appropriate. I also think that we should understand that you can add more police presence but it's the environment that's been created that's fostering criminal activity, that is the issue here. This news brought to you by the National Police Association, to learn more about how you can help law enforcement accomplish its goals visit nationalpolice.org.